Hi there. Today I wanted to share with you some of my observations with the people that I've been working with over the last couple of months and topics that might actually be helpful for your own path and ease your own journey in your life. As I've said before, it seems that our souls really don't seem to be giving much of a hoot about our personalities. What I mean by that is that we all have these stories that we live by. Our stories are defense mechanisms against being in the moment. For most of us, these stories start at a very young age. And over years and years, we start confusing these stories for the reality of who we are. Whether that's being a good person, quote-unquote, an angry person, a strong person. A lot of adjectives can be used here. So the first thing I would say is just be aware, what is your story and what is your true nature? Now, this is not only an intellectual exercise. We actually have to slow down something in our culture that is not easy and to actually feel. Feeling, feeling emotions is the gateway to our soul. And somehow in our spiritual reality, as far as I can tell these days, for a lot of us or for a lot of these paths, it has become this disconnect where feelings are pushed aside and it's become an intellectual phenomena. When you do what I do day in, day out, and work with people who are ill or terminally ill, one realizes that a lot of these stories are just intellectual and as such cannot really be helpful in our moments of need. The story can be very useful when your ego is strong and you're running around and doing your thing every day. But when it's threatened, when the ego is threatened by something like illness or death, then the story comes to a very sudden halt and then you can see what you're made of. For a lot of people, for a lot of us that have observed, it's not a pleasant phenomena unless you're actually sitting and deconstructing the story on a daily level. Now remember that we live in a culture where the objectification of who we are, this consumer impulse, all feed in together to make this story stronger and to actually stop us from having a connection with this other aspect of ourself. I was reading recently um, in a research paper that most of us as Americans spend four months out of a year on the Internet. Now that's pretty mind-blowing. Four months out of 12, month, 12 months of the year, we're actually disconnecting from ourselves and connecting with an external source. So these tools that can be very useful in terms of education, in terms of expanding our consciousness, like anything else can actually be hijacked as a way of disconnecting from self. So how does one do this? I talk to you a lot constantly about the need to sit and disconnect every day for 10 to 20 minutes a day. We've talked about meditation at length, at different podcasts, at different talks. One thing that's amazing to me with meditation, again, having done this clinical work for decades after decades, when we talk about the divine, when we talk about spirituality, we always point up to us, to use the word God, the misuse word, we point up. Divinity, we point up. Very rarely do people talk about spirituality and point down. This actually betrays 
our unconscious energy of how we're constantly trying to escape these body minds. We try to go up and out of them. The most abused drugs in this culture, nicotine, caffeine, are actually drugs that help us concentrate. They help put us in this up motion out of the body. So people who consume cups and cups of coffee, cigarette after cigarette, they relay the message that they're actually relaxing. In fact, what's happening is we're disconnecting from our emotional body. We're becoming heady beings. So first and foremost, get in a habit of spending a couple of minutes a day and feel your body. So as we've done this exercise before, as you're listening to me right now, be aware where your breathing is. Part of this research that I was reading was pointing out how when people are actually on the Internet or answering emails, they're in this thoracic breathing fight-or-flight response. But we're in that response pretty much all the time. So if your breathing is in your chest right now, that means you're in this fight-or-flight response. So first and foremost, take a deep breath and exhale all the way. And again, take a deep breath in your belly this time. And exhale all the way. Whatever you're doing while you're hearing me, be aware of your hands, be aware of your feet, be aware of your back, your jaw, your butt on a chair, or if you're laying down, your back on a hard surface, and work on feeling your feet. Now that's difficult for most people unless they practice this regularly. It's very interesting that a lot of our spiritual practices are about leaving the body. One of the things that I've noticed specifically with mantra-based meditation, which is a very powerful meditation, I'm not putting this down, but what it does is where your awareness is is where the energy flows. Very few of us have trained ourselves to actually repeat a mantra while being physically embodied. We do it somewhere in our head. So that spiritual practice can actually propagate this experience of disconnection even more under the guise of connection. Now, the feeling your body from an energetic perspective is very profound because where your awareness is, is where the energy flows. So when you feel your body, you're actually giving yourself a small treatment or maybe a not so much small treatment, but from an energetic perspective, you're circulating your energy by just keeping your awareness in your physical body. Now, I know some of you have heard me say this year after year, the reason I point this over and over is because none of us do it. Even people who have mastered practices like martial arts, like yoga, which are all about being embodied, tend to leave this out once they are in the world, once they're out of the dojo, once they're off the yoga mat. So never underestimate your own ability to disconnect. So this one simple practice can actually help break down that story that I'm talking about. Because the storytelling happens in the head and gets propagated in the head. 
So all our fantasies that we might be walking down the street and telling ourselves, for most of us, whether it's worry or whether it's some heroic story, actually comes from that story, the story that we've been told that we need to have. That's the personality versus the soul. When we feel the physical body, that embodiment, that physically being in the body, actually helps break the story down. The ultimate storyteller is being in the head, being in the past or future, and the ultimate story killer is being in the moment. In this process of letting go of the story, and in your life in general, be gentle and be firm. Now, these two things might sound opposite each other. How can someone be gentle when they're being firm? But actually, we tend to be giving ourselves passes in places we need to actually be more firm. And we tend to be very hard on ourselves in places where we need to be gentle. And this is some ego trick, a way of actually punishing ourselves. So by being gentle, most people, most of us, constantly run this mental beration on ourselves. We're constantly berating ourselves. Not this, not that. We're not good enough. And we actually mirror this back to ourselves with the way we treat ourselves. Over-discipline with certain things while no discipline in other things. This whole diet craze where we just do this cruelty to our bodies, these very intense practices, and vice versa by actually letting ourselves go. It's very interesting to me to observe people who get on these very, very strict diets. And basically self-punishment, anorexia, in a different guise, under the guise of spirituality. While meanwhile ingesting all kinds of garbage mentally whether it be what they're reading, whether it be what they're watching, whether it be what's coming out of their mouth about other people. So this being gentle and being firm, take a step back from your life, and this breaking down of the story can help that, and observe yourself. Where are the places where you need to give yourself a break? And where are the places where you actually need to firm up and have some discipline in a rightful measure so as not to leak energy the way you're leaking? So this being gentle and being firm takes an honest look at ourselves. We have to take an honest inventory of what needs to stay and what needs to go. That leads me to the next topic I wanted to talk about, which you might be observing this yourself. I've been observing the last six to nine months or maybe a year because of the intensity of what's going on energetically, because our souls don't seem to care about our personalities, we have to align the two. We have to align our soul's needs with our personality's desires. And it's not either or. It's not an addictive system. There can be a dance between the two. There are certain things that we're here to experience for our personalities, and as long as they're not harming us, harming other people, wonderful. Or if there's a harm between two people, as long as it's an agreed-upon energy in a relationship, all good. This topic has to do with relationships and how some of us, or many of us, can confuse 
potential with reality. We can confuse, and it's not just relationship in terms of romantic relationship. It might be a work relationship, business, so forth, where we confuse the potential of something with the reality, what might be with what is. This can be a very tricky thing because many of us have a lot of fear around relationships, and we can year after year, and it can be, again, a financial relationship to business, we can constantly live in the hope of, we can constantly live, this has potential. If I stick this long enough, if I stick in here long enough, the potential will become reality. It seems to me that actually we're at a time where things are either manifesting themselves or they're going to stay in potentiality. We're at a time right now which is a time of doing. This is not a time of being in the spring mode. We're in summer mode right now. And I mean that on a bigger cycle than the seasons. So look around yourself in your relationships and see where are you holding your breath for something to occur. If that thing has not occurred, be it waiting for a relationship to change, take more concrete steps to know for a fact, will this come to pass in the new future or will it not? Make sure that you're not living in a hope of. Living in a hope of things can actually detract from being in the moment and manifesting, I hate to use that word, but it's true, manifesting what we actually want. Not in some new agey, hokey-pokey way, but in actual physical manifestation. So where in your life are you waiting in the hope of something? Examine it, see what it is, see how you can heal it. Is it something that's going to come to fruition, or is it a way that you're in denial or in fear of having what you actually want? Tied into that... Always keep your center. In these times of very rapid change, it's very crucial that we actually keep our center. And again, the meditation is a part of that. The feeling our bodies is a part of that. Um, take responsibility for yourself. And more importantly, take responsibility for your reactions. Many times we can't control what's happening around us, but we certainly can be in charge of our reactions to them. So when we're run down, when we're not taking care of ourselves. Those reactions are a lot less in our control than when we actually are providing self-care. Now, if you are in a situation as a mother, as a parent, as a father, you're obviously going to have limited access to that core time because of providing for your family, because of providing for your child, because of providing for your job. But it is always crucial to remember that the self-care part, even if it's 10 minutes of sitting a day, 20 minutes of sitting a day, if you can carve that time out, it actually nourishes everything else around you. And ironically, for some reason, the first thing that goes when we are in a stressful environment, a stressful situation, is that amount of self-care. Everyone that I know, that I treat, that I know as a friend, can spend 10 or 20 minutes a day on themselves. Very few people do because we are so bombarded by many, many things. So again, take responsibility for yourself, not as a beating yourself up way, but by carving out the time that you need to connect with yourself on a daily level so you actually have room to work with the things around you. There seems to be such a big disconnect right now between what's happening and, for example, we can take the economy and what we're fed through the media 
and what we're fed to the, basically the corporate state. That has very dire consequences for our nervous system. This is not a political issue as much as our bodies, which are these ancient, wonderful tools, feel the disconnect. They feel the lies. And when we're told things are a certain way, but our experience on the street, our experience with other people, our experience with our friends and family is different, there becomes a psychic disconnect. This is not about running around and freaking out. This is about sitting with yourself and giving yourself some room to process these emotions. Whether we're reading all this media stuff or not, we're living in this world that's hyper-real. The time, unless you're living in the woods somewhere where you wouldn't be listening to this, those times are over. This is a part of our life. As such, it actually takes extra energy to deal with it. So if you live in a city that's very polluted and the air is very polluted, you're going to have to take certain precautions that you're not going to have to take if you're living upstate New York and Adirondacks. So this is the same way, which again brings up to the point of connect with yourself to clear your mental lung so you can actually breathe better on a day-to-day level and catch where is the disconnect? What are you being told? What is your experience? At the same time that these things are happening, this profound, rapid change that all of us are feeling, there is so much energy available to break through a lot of old hypnosis, incarnation-wise, many, many lifetimes. And again, it's very counterintuitive. In order to do that, we don't go up and out. We come inside and down. We give up so much to be in these bodies, and we're so, so fortunate to be on this planet in this time of profound change. Two things to that point. One is, it's very profound and it's very fortunate because we can clear so much of our own stuff. The second thing is, we all have a a part to play in this unfolding drama. In order to discharge that karmic duty, we have to actually get quiet enough and get our own shit out of the way, not being perfect, not being fully healed, just being aware of where our shit is so we can actually play our part to bring about the changes that we need to bring. To that point, consume only so much media as to a point where you can keep your center. If anything, whether it's the economy, whether it's the environment, brings you to a place of fear, pull back. We're not useful to anyone, and we're not useful to ourselves if we're operating from a place of fear. So it's not about putting your head in the sand. If you read something about the environment and it bothers you, check your own life. Do your best to consume less. Do your best to access whatever you need to access. But freaking the hell out of yourself is not going to help anyone. Um, To that point, again, take responsibility for yourself and thin out all that doesn't serve you right now. So let go of the vampires in your life. If you find yourself in disagreement with someone over and over and over, if you find you're avoiding someone, their emails or their phone calls, you're not obligated. Observe the part of you that feels obligated. Obligation is addiction. Again, it's the part of the ego that wants to service the story, that wants to be this idealized self-image. It will blow your system out, especially at this time. Part of the gift of what's happening right now, because of the speed that things are unfolding, is that we need to really be aware of where we have to let the story go. And sometimes it can be painful. 
but it's only painful to that idealized self-image. Pain of that piece is actually a very good thing because the price that we're paying is very, very profound. People are either working on themselves right now, moving and breaking through things rapidly, or sinking. In my own experience, there doesn't seem to be a lot of that sitting on the fence bit anymore. Either we're stepping up or we're checking out. Make sure you know which side of that line you are and make sure that you connect with people on the side of the line that you want to be with. So let go of every place where you feel you're being robbed of energy because that's the beautiful term idiot compassion applies to. That's not compassion. Oh, I need to hang out with this person because they're not so doing so well. Yes, absolutely do that for the first time, for the second time, for the third time. But the adage of teaching someone to fish instead of throwing them some fish every day is applicable here. Are you teaching someone to fish or are you just grabbing? And remember that there's a vampirism on your part if you're in this place because it's not an equal relationship. Even though it looks very nice, you're actually robbing the person of energy because you're acting as their higher power. So pay attention. Go inside, center, ask yourself, what needs to stay in my life right now? What needs to go? And while we're on the topic of these relationships, I want to end this little talk by reminding you not to confuse addiction for passion. Love doesn't hurt. What I observe a lot with people when they come and tell me very painful stories <clears throat> of relationships they're in, be very conscious where you're hiding. If you're in constantly in pain, there's communication that's not happening. Address it. Have the courage to address it instead of being in the comfort of something that you've been a pattern in for decade after decade. So again, I repeat that love doesn't hurt. Relationships are a tremendous amount of work because they force us to let the story go. We all know people who can be in a relationship for decades where there are two stories happening simultaneously. So there's never been true intimacy. But that doesn't mean just because someone's been with someone else for decade after decade that they're in a relationship. If you're in a relationship and there are unresolved issues, face them. That's not how it needs to be. And if you're in a relationship where things are moving smoothly, make sure that you're not sleepwalking. Make sure that it's not going smoothly just because you're the yes person or your partner is a yes person. Make sure that you're in a conscious awareness in relationship to the relationship. They are not sleepwalking. I want to end this by sending in my love, intending and praying that there's peace in your heart, regardless of all the pain that this realm throws at you. To remember that you are everything and everything is you. I'm going to leave you by a quote by the homeboy, Sri Nisargadatta Maharaj, the said vicious of spirituality, who said, All paths lead to unreality. Paths are creations within the scope of knowledge. Therefore, paths and movements cannot transport you into reality because their function is to enmesh you within the dimension of knowledge while the reality prevails prior to it. So just remember, whoever you're studying with, whatever teacher you're following, whatever you're reading, wonderful things. At best, they're pointers. At worst, they'll confuse you. So do not confuse these things with some 
idea because ideas are not what reality are about. The most direct connection is sit with yourself and quiet your mind to the best of your ability and all will reveal itself.